welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Okay, thank you everyone. Welcome to our online viewers who are listening online. Thank you, praise God. Thank you. So how are we all doing this week, Rand? Doing great, very good, very good. It's been a good week, very good. So I've been um, busy studying this word for you. It is really, really powerful. I think it's very, very helpful for all of us living in a very, very busy world. It's called Four Keys to Staying Full of God. It is really, really powerful. I've been up to like the wee hours of the morning and through this and I've loads of different wee things like words and all for you here from God and a plan at the end of it, how to keep our hearts on fire for God all of the time. It's really, really amazing. I have personally, what I normally do is well, the Lord always gives me a word and I personally take it for myself first and then I can then give it out to everybody else, but I always take it for myself first. Okay, so um, so let's recap on last week here. Um, so last week we looked at um, our soul and what our soul is made up of, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our conscience and our personality. And then we looked at uh, what is housed in our body, which is our five senses, see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. And then we looked at our heart, what was in our hearts. And our hearts is made up of our spirit and soul coming together. Then we concluded with our spirit, what was in it, and heart is sealed until the day of redemption. I'm glad you all enjoyed that and getting good um, positive feedback from last week's sealed teaching. And, um, and so, um, so when we become born again and enter into a beautiful relationship with the Lord, we want to keep it that way, but how do we keep it that way? And one of the things, the Lord, the Lord is always talking to us, isn't he? But one of the things he's always talked to us about, it's always top on his list is our relationship with him and keeping our relationship going with him. There's an amazing, simple, simple way. It's, Christianity isn't hard, it's easy. Nothing with God is hard at all. It's really, really easy. And so we're going to look at that today, okay? And even when he gives, um, you know, like um, prophetic people words for nations and stuff, it is always centered around your relationship with God, isn't it? And God's always concerned about our relationship with him, regardless of anything else. It's always key on his mind. He always seeks for us. He's always yearning for us. He's always wanting us to be in his company, in his presence, because he dotes on us. He thinks we're fantastic. He really does, and we are. We're children of God, and he, he's got it right, you know? <laughs> okay, so, um, so um, just, um, I, I, again, I kind of talk to God and ask him questions and, and ask him things, and what does he mean? And um, So when we became born again, and we entered into that beautiful relationship with the Lord, we want to keep it that way, but how can we keep it that way? But first, let's look, first of all, and recall that special time we got born again. Go back in time. Some of us are saved 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, okay? And then we get to present day, but there's a gap in between those years, okay? So how did we feel that day we got born again? Well, I'm saved 31 years. That's a long time, a long, beautiful, beautiful time. And we've all gone on a journey with God in those years. We were happy. We were peaceful. We were excited. We were overjoyed. The Lord touched our lives and we became on fire for him. 
We read the word, we went to church, we tithed, we prayed, we sang to him. Nothing bothered us and nothing angered us or annoyed us. Now bring it back up to present time. How is it today? From when we got saved all those years ago till now, there's a gap in between called time and life. We've all experienced time and life. Okay? In this gap, we got married, we had children, we had grandkids, we had a job or a career, we had a business and maybe even in ministry. But how do we give back and being on fire for God and staying on fire for God? We do what the scripture says and applies principles in Romans 1, verse 21. We're not going to go to that just yet. I just want to bring you back to this wee, um, this uh, picture the Lord gave me yesterday. Um, I saw this vase, and it's like, a, it's like a, a, a gold vase. You know one of those vases you have when it, it becomes dull, you get the brass out and the cotton and you polish it. I had this, I had this vase in the guys number of years ago. Then we'd done a clear it and then we bend them. Anyway, so I saw this vase. It was like a gold or a brass vase. And it was, kind of, it, had, it was like dull because of life had got at it. And the atmosphere had got at it. And the vase then became dull. Okay? But the Lord says, you don't need to throw the vase out. The vase didn't do anything wrong. You can still keep the vase. It's absolutely fine. It's original condition. But if we just get a wee bit of brass and a wee piece of cotton and polish all that off, take off what has gone on it over the years, take off the, the residue um, life that has, been, um, that has penetrated it, polish that up with a brass okay? And it'll be absolutely brilliant, shining bright, and back to its original condition. There's nothing wrong with the vase. You don't need to do nothing with the vase. You can still keep the vase. You just need to polish it. Okay, that was yesterday, that was me. I then sent Stephen out to the garage because I thought he still had the vase. I said to him, go out to the garage and look and see if the vase is out there. Then they weren't out there. Up to, I said, go up to the loft. And I said, if you don't find it, we're going to a charity shop to get a vase to, to bring it to you to show it to you. So he haunted hell no, but I, I said, look, I think I did remember throwing it out. So I did throw the vase out, but I still give you, hopefully I'll give you a proper picture in your mind of the vase there, okay? So um, the theme around this, which I, I have personally had to take this teaching for myself because I live in the same world like you do. I'm super, super busy. No one has been more busy in the past five years than me because when I was home and the kids were young, I had all the time in the world to go up and you know, pray to God, sing to him, go to church every time the doors would open. I had all the freedom in the world to do that. And then God gave me a job. So this is my second job that I'm in. And then I helped another um, married couple start a Bible college a couple of years ago as well. And I became tremendously busy. I was out of my house, not six, but seven days a week for a year. I, I had to be really, really careful of that because the Lord then, I said about five or six months ago, kept bringing me back to this. More, you're a bit busy. Do not think you're a bit busy. And I was so busy on the inside, so, so busy on the inside, I was talking quick because I was so quick on the inside. I began to speak quick as well in my conversation. That's how busy I was. I was out every day. I was full-time at work, full-time at the college, which I thought was a great thing. Uh, full-time, trying to be full-time at the church and trying to be full-time at the home. 
So I was pulled in all ways. And the Lord brought me back to this. And he says, look, would you ever come away with me? Would you ever sit down with me? And even now I can feel it. We always have to be careful for the drawing away. Time will pull at you like nothing unless we get a hold of it. And just, uh, uh, Andrew, four weeks ago, because I've been talking, this is my second week talking, the one he did um, three weeks ago was on worry, and the one prior to that was on Martha and Mary. And if I'll be honest with you, I know Andrew will stand up, stand up here and say, can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you and be real with you? When Andrew talked about Martha and Mary, I was sitting on the seat crying. Because I thought to myself, hope to God I don't become like a Martha. And that's why I'm bringing this teaching to you today. Okay? But there's real, real good stuff in this. Okay? And it's good to, it's good to sit and take recollection and to look over our lives and say, what can I do to make changes that'll lose me, to not be so, so busy? Ministry can do it. You know, um, busyness is the biggest killer you can ever experience. And do you know this here that he's given me today? Not one word of it has he mentioned of sin. We're not talking about sin this morning. We're talking about busyness. The word is busy. Okay, and we all can become busy and get caught up in a lot of things. And then we stop and look back and say, oh God, he said, I was so busy there or whatever. You know, my house was actually out of balance to the point where Louise then started to run my house because I was so busy going to the college, doing things for God, doing things for God, but having to say to myself, hold on a minute, what about God? What about that relationship with him? So I left the college. I left it, and I've started to um, tweak my shifts at work and started to just bring myself back to not being busy. So hopefully my speech will slow down because I'm starting to be calmer on the inside so I should be calmer on the outside as well. I'm trying to get that balance back in again, do you know? That's really the heart of the message. So the whole thing surrounding this here that I was saying is fire. People lighting fires, people starting fires, keeping the fire burning seem to be the whole thing that's surrounding this whole teaching. Let me give you an introduction into this. It's four keys to stay, staying full of God. And it's taken from... Um, uh, Romans 1, uh, verse 18. We're not going to go there just yet, though. So it is taught that some Christians are leaky vessels, like a bucket with holes in it, and that we should be refilled. And according to the average believer's experience, this can't see true to them. When we get born again, God touches our lives in a very powerful way, and we get all excited about it, and then after a short time, we go back to feeling empty again. And so we feel we need something special from the Lord to get us back on track. I have spoken to lots of Christians who have said they're experiencing this emptiness and wish they could have with the Lord what they had with him in the early fresh years of their salvation. And I'll tell you, I'm desperate to get back to that. I'm really desperate to get back to that. And I'll do whatever it takes to get back to that for me. We need to be assured that the Lord is not the one who comes and goes in our life. We do perceive his presence, anointing, and joy stronger at times, but it's not um, God who's withdrawing from us. Most Christians wonder what's wrong with them and begin to ask him to touch their lives again with a fresh touch and to do something new in their life. Christians usually assume 
that whenever they feel dry and empty, whenever they notice that they're starting to lose their peace and joy, that it must be the Lord who has withdrew. But that is not true. Once we are born again, God never changes towards us, ever. He is always releasing and transmitting his amazing presence, blessing, anointing, healing, and prosperity in our lives every single day. He never changes, but we can. Remember, we live in this busy world. Popular teaching that I have heard insinuates that the reason we are not walking in all of God's love, joy, and peace is because we have done something to displease him. And so the onus is on us to try to please him and to try to get the power back in our lives again. But this is never the case because the Lord is not the one who withdraws from us. God isn't the variable here, but we can be. This teaching today is not a lesson on how to bombard the gates of heaven and make God do something. He's already done everything through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us blessed even more than we do. Right now, right this very day, we are full of God as we want to be. He doesn't determine how full of joy we are. We do. We determine. It is God's heart that every person be saved, healed, and prosperous. It's never the Lord who's not moving in a person's life, but it is us that we know we should know how to receive. Therefore, I want to encourage you and to show you how to receive. There are signals all around us. We may not be able to perceive them, but they are still there. Take your television, for example. When you're in your home, there are television signals all around you. You may not be able to perceive them, but they are there. If you plugged in, turned on, and tuned in your television, you could perceive the signal. However, when you turn on the receiver and experience the sight and sound of the picture, this isn't when the broadcast began. It's just when you started receiving it. That's the way it is with the Lord. God is constantly healing every person that needs healing. He's constantly giving love, joy, and peace to us constantly. The transmitters of heaven are beaming 24 hours a day, every single day of the week. God is never the one who is not blessing us, but we are the ones who either turned off or not tuned in. If you feel that you're not full of God today, then you can be. The great news is this. Through God's word, he shows us how we can fine-tune our receiver. Okay? Um, so four ways to stay in full of God. Do you ever feel like you and God have drifted apart and that the love and joy you once experienced with him has faded? See, this is touching me because of the busyness. If you do, you're not alone. Most Christians feel like the experiences they have with God diminishes over time and that they need another touch from God, but this is not what the Bible teaches. Um, we're going to look at um, Hebrews 13, verse 5 in the Amplified Version of the Bible. This is spectacular. Okay, It says, this is the Lord speaking just today, it says, I will never, now that word never, I think it's in the Greek or the Hebrew, it says it five times. It emphasizes, I will never, 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 never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, 
nor will I forsake or let you down or will let me hold on you as surely not. That's his promise to us. What a fantastic God, God we have this morning here. So, so amazing. I've highlighted those words for you. Amazing. If you can just keep that off for a wee second, guys, that'd be great. As born-again believers, we are capable of living in the fullness of God every day of our lives. God is continually pouring out his love, joy, and peace, and all other blessings. But we can get to a point where we're not receiving and feel like he has drifted away, but he hasn't. Now, if we can go to Romans 1, 21, which is what this part of this teaching is based on, Romans 1, 21. Okay. It starts off and it says, because that when they knew God, this is talking about unbelievers who have intuitive knowledge of God on the inside of them. So it says, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. This verse is saying that people definitely knew there was a God, but they failed to glorify him for the God that he was. And they weren't thankful either to him. And in doing this, their, iman- their imagination became vain and their hearts became darkened. Now, this word vain in this verse, for this verse means unfruitful and to have no advantage for you. And the word darkened means hard, unyielding, cold, and insensitive. Now, this scripture um, isn't just talking about the unsaved, but it can be talking about Christians too. And that the same thing can happen to us. Now, it's talking about the process here. We're looking at the process of this scripture. Okay, it's like, a, it's like a law. Okay, like the law of gravity. It's a law. So this is a process we're looking at here. If we neglect to glorify and be thankful towards God, over a period of time, you'll start to see a difference in your heart in a negative way towards God. And that your imagination can become vain and your heart can become darkened. Now, this scripture contains four separate elements or keys or ways that can lead us into and keep us operating in the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be operating in the fullness of God every single day of my life. And I want to keep the world out of my heart as much as I can. I can't tell you the last time I had the radio on in my house, the TV on in my house. I don't have magazines in my house. I keep it all out to protect my heart as much as I can. Now, but expressed positively, they are to glorify God, being thankful, recognizing the power of our imagination, and having a good heart. That's the key to this. Now, we have the power to control each of these in our lives. Now, let's look at the first one, which is to glorify God. How do we do this? How do we properly glorify God? What does it mean? As a Christian, I just like people to tell me something. Sometimes people would say, um, you got to trust the Lord. And I'll say, well, okay, I think it's a good idea. How do you trust the Lord? you just got to trust the Lord, sister. You tell me, tell me, how do I do that? What do I do? Tell me, give it to me, stupid simple. How do I do that? You know, and I like to be told, I'm a practical Christian. I like to practically walk my life before God. I like to know how to practically do things in my life. And I'm going to show you a game changer at the end of this, going to pull this all together for you. So how do we properly glorify God? Well, the word glorify means to consider or esteem glorious. The word esteem means to place a high value on. It means to respect, to consider, and to reverence. 
So Psalm 86, verse 12 says this in the King James. It says, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore, which is what we were doing today in the worship songs. Psalm 34, verse 3 says this. He says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now the word magnify is the same word translated glorify. So magnify and glorify are the same thing. And we know that the word magnify means to make bigger. So we can make God bigger by esteeming him, by placing high value on him and respecting him. So technically speaking, God is who he is regardless of what we think of him. But in terms of our perception, he can't be big or small. But we have the power to make him one or the other in our lives. But sure, he's lovely, isn't he? Isn't he amazing? And Hannah was right, Sam, his mother, she says, there's no one like the Lord. He's the sweetest thing. He's, he's a wee dote. He's amazing. He's amazing. We love the Lord. Of course we do. He's amazing. Thank you, Lord. He's so sweet. We can minimize God's word in our mind and make our problems seem bigger, or we can magnify the Lord and make him and his word bigger for us than any of the problems we would ever experience. But how do we do this? We do this by glorifying, praising, and thanking him constantly. We can go to God's word and look for an example of, our, of how God has helped someone. And this will greatly encourage us to know that God will help us too. Another way is to meditate on God's word. And by meditating, I mean to read the truth of God's word over and over and over again. And by thinking about it until it's... And we see it fulfilled in our imagination. And then as we think in our hearts, so are we. Another great scripture, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So your heart and your mind are always connected. So every time you think of something over and over, negative or positive, you're writing upon the table of your heart. Over a process of time, your heart will believe what you tell it then you will live out of the heart for what is in it, okay? So the first one was to glorify God. The next one is to be thankful. Thankful or thankfulness, okay? So another way of staying full of God or to have a healthy soul is to have a thankful heart. Glorifying, magnifying, and thanking him are all interrelated. But to glorify God or to make him bigger, we should be thankful. And as we are thanking him, we are actually reminding ourselves of what he has said in his word and what he has done for us. And by doing this, we are magnifying him. So Stephen, my husband Stephen, this is not a sass, burnt sassy story like last week. This is a different story. My husband Stephen, he, he is he's terrific, right? So uh, anytime I give Stephen a drink of juice in the mornings or I'll iron a shirt for him or make his dinner, be it burnt or not, it depends, right? <laughs> um, getting it not burns a good day, like. And do you know what? I haven't burned one single thing this week. <laughs> Amen. Not one single thing this week. Confession. Confession. <laughs> right? The conf the conf I, have to be tell I have to tell the truth as a minister, right? I haven't made him any dinners at all this week. That's why nothing's been burnt. I haven't made him anything at all. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> right? 
Amen. Praise God. He made his own. He's been making his own, but I've been busy just doing this. <laughs> you thought I'd learned to cook in the last seven days? Absolutely not. No way. No way. No way. No way. But here, Stephen, Stephen's amazing. Stephen, um, we're talking about um, a heart full of thanks and um, a heart condition of gratitude. And any time I bring Stephen, you know, his dinner or um, drink of juice or whatever it is, or iron his clothing for him, he always says thank you to me. He's, he never, I could count on one hand in over like 35 years that he didn't say thank you to me. He's really, really had that heart full of thanks. And um, it's just amazing. And he said to me, I think it's the way I've been brought up. And I said, no, that's a heart condition. A heart full of thanks is a heart condition. So thank you for always saying thank you to me. He's amazing. Okay. So, um, an amazing thing is, even when I bring in the burnt dinner, the burnt burgers, he would still turn around and have the audacity or whatever it is, the grace or mercy and say, thanks, love, thanks, love. Thanks, love, thanks, love. And, and he wouldn't say to me, what's this on the plate? He knows what's on the plate, you know, but he'll still say thank you to me, you know, and I'll go, right, okay. What are you thanking me for? That things burnt to a crisp, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's the house that I live in, okay? And uh, so um, Psalm 103, verse 2, another brilliant scripture says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. So this verse is saying that we shouldn't forget one of all of his benefits or don't forget any of his benefits. We will forget if we don't make an effort to remember. So thankfulness helps us to remember. Psalm 69 verse 30 is another great scripture. It says this, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Now, being thankful involves three things. Humility, memory, and reflection. Humility is the understanding that we don't accomplish things on our own because God is always with us. Then humbly remembering the good things he has done for us always brings thankfulness. So it is very important to look back and rehearse our victories. I'm going to show you how to do that. Rehearse our victories and remember whose part it was that brought them to pass. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. It's important for us to refrain from grumbling and complaining. Instead of, uh, it's more useful and better to come into the attitude of prayer and use this time to thank him for his goodness and his unconditional love to us. Unconditional love. By doing this, you will find over a period of time the desire or habit to grumble or complain will soon stop. And the problem you are facing will grow smaller because you're more focused on thanking the Lord. And then as I was thinking this, this wee song came into my mind. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He is the sweetest thing. He is our Lord and our Savior. And without him, we said this in prayer this morning, without him, we are absolutely nothing. Thank God we're not without him. He is, he's remarkable, absolutely amazing. He's so kind to us. He's so gentle to us. He always answers our prayers. 
There's no one above him. He is sovereign. There's no one above him. No one can even stand beside him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Isn't he amazing this morning? He's so fantastic. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. You could just stand there for an hour, couldn't you, and just reel off, you know. So uh, this reminds me of a story um, that Jesus healed 10 men who had leprosy in Luke 17. I, again, I've been scribbling all notes over this. I'm going to be getting revelation on. I'm going to try and not give you revelation, just read what the, the verse is. So um, for, starting with verse 11 down to 19, verse 11 says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, and he passed through as the midst of Samaria, and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And as it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, here's this one, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. He glorified God. Verse 16, and he fell on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. He gave him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but were the nine? It's just a question he's asking. Then verse 18 says, there are not found that return to give glory to God, save or accept this stranger. And in verse 19, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. So that one man came back, didn't he? Glorified God, thanked him, fell on his face, humbly um, made himself humbled before God and everything. And then his faith was made whole. We should glorify God and thank him at all times, especially in the difficult times. If we get a negative report, we should magnify the Lord instead. We do this by controlling our hearts and our thinking. Our thoughts magnify whatever uh, we focus our thinking on. Whatever problem we have, we should go to God's word and magnify what God says instead of what we see or hear. <clears throat> Another story, I'm just going to give you one verse. It's Mark 6, verse 41. Okay. It says, um, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them and the two fishes um, he divided among them all. It says Jesus looked up and the Greek word that was translated looked up here is anablepo, anablepo and it means to recover sight or receive sight. This is referring to Jesus seeing with his spiritual eyes in the supernatural realm of God instead of being bound by the natural realm when the five loaves and the two fishes was not enough. So Jesus glorified, Jesus glorified God's ability beyond the limitations of the natural. Okay? So the first one was to glorify God. The second one was to be thankful. The next one we're going to look at is our imagination, the power of our imagination. The main part of our memory is called our imagination. If we don't glorify God and become thankful, then our imagination just begins to start to picture what we focus on. We picture and remember the negative. That's what we call vain imagination. 
<coughs> now the Hebrew word haran here, it's Strong's Concordance. Uh, it's 2032, if you're taking notes, 2032. Okay, so the word haran for imagination in the Old Testament is actually conception. Imagination is how new ideas are conceived or to think or create something in our mind. Without it, people will become spiritually and creatively unproductive. Okay? The Word of God comes alive when we picture what it's talking about. We should let the Word of God control our imagination as we think about the Scriptures, and we will begin to see things in Scripture that we can't see with our physical eyes. We'll see it on the inside in our imagination, but if we picture and remember the negative that's when we experience a vain imagination. But on the other hand, a positive imagination is what God wor God's word calls hope. And we know that hope is the expectation of good or the expectation of good to happen. When the Bible says we are healed, we should meditate on that truth until we see ourselves healed. Most people allow their imagination to become vain and they agree with the image the doctors have painted rather than the word of God. They are told what's going to happen to them and they imagine this is truth. That happened to my mum, but I can't go into the story now. She passed away. When we fail to be thankful and to glorify God, our imagination automatically becomes vain. That doesn't mean our imagination isn't working. It just means it's beginning to work against us. Those of us with the vain imaginations are pessimists, imagining failure instead of success. We need to use our imagination to agree with God's word and to see ourselves the way God sees us, happy, healthy, and prosperous. We're going to look at Isaiah 26, verse 3 here. <clears throat> Another brilliant scripture. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, not just peace, perfect peace, whose mind or imagination, that word mind is imagination, is stead on thee because he trusts in thee. This verse is saying that God will keep us in peace upon peace upon peace with all kinds of prosperity and happiness because our imagination, how we think about him, is dead on him because we trust in him. A great story here. I want to tell you a personal story again. Um, again, when I was less busier and the kids were smaller and Stephen worked night shifts, so he was sleeping during the day. I had no job. I wasn't working at all, all the time in the world. And I got the kids out to school, and the Lord would always say, come away with me. Spend time. Come on up here. Come on up and pray. Get your Bible. Get your CD. Get your music. Get your communion. Come away with me. And I did that. Now, um, there were times, too, when I, I would read. I would just get a story out of the Bible and read it and read it. Just like five or six verses and read that story over and over again, and then memorize it, and then I would walk about cleaning the house with my chipping toothbrush, okay? I would walk about, and I would go about just cleaning the house and just putting myself in the story, and I would picture, um, a lot of those stories are like from the Middle East and Israel and stuff, and I would go about and think, you know, I would think about the hot sun, it was warm that day, and I would say, Lord, what did you say to him? Why did you say that to her? What did you say to him? Why did you not talk to him? What happened here? What, what's he talking about? And I would go about with all these things and I'd put myself in the center of the, the story and walk about. And as I would do that and just turn the scriptures over in my mind, I was filling myself up with the glory of God. 
I was glorifying God, blessing him, thanking him. I was getting all the goodness of all this on the inside of me to the point I was so jumping and excited on the inside. I had to calm down. I had to calm down. It was terrific, absolutely amazing. Half the times I couldn't recall what I cleaned because I was so busy in these stories. It was amazing. This is a powerful thing. We can, on the other hand, if you're uh, nervous or anxious on the inside or worrying, as one of the teachings um, Andrew bought a couple of weeks ago, worry. If you worry on the inside, it's like a washing machine going off on the inside. It's agitating your mind. It's, it's agitating your soul. It's affecting your imagination and your mind and your thinking. And this washing machine's going on on the inside, right? To the point where you're so anxious or nervous, you can't eat properly. You're, you're, you lose your appetite. You can't sleep properly. All that negative stuff goes on. And we do life. We still live life on this earth, don't we? So, but if you do it the other way and you refrain from doing that, and put this new thing in position where you get read the word of God, get a story, walk about it. It has the opposite effect. This is where you're magnifying God, glorifying God. The word of God's active in your soul. It's in your heart. You're on fire for God. You're bubbling. You're jumping about. And just, I can't even feel it now. <laughs> just jump it. Your soul starts to jump for joy because the word of God, your heart is feeding on the word of God. You're glorifying him, you're going through, and then the Lord starts to, he starts to show you things, and you get revelation of the word of God, and you're so excited, it is terrific, this is the way to live, people, this is the way to live, this is the way to live. Um, so where was it? Um, so, um, yes, okay, dead on, dead on. Um, so the first one was to glorify God, the second one was to be thankful the third was to, was to recognize the power of your imagination. And we come to the next one, which is um, to have a good heart. And I'm going to give you a word in a wee second here. Okay, so let me read this first for you. So uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this. It says, um, Proverbs 23, verse 7. <clears throat> it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So your heart and mind are connected. Our hearts control what we say, and they also control what we do. Our heart is very important and it's made up of our spirit and soul combined together. That we, that's what makes up our heart. The reason the heart responds in a negative way is because we allow it to be dominated by external or physical things instead of the word of God. Our understanding is then darkened and we become insensitive to God. We can actually cause our hearts to become hardened. Now the word hardened according to the dictionary definition here means cold insensitive, unfeeling, and unyielding. When our hearts are like that, they become sensitive and dominated by and controlled by our five senses, which is see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. So what do most people do when they realize their actions are being controlled by their hearts and are causing problems for themselves and for others? They resort to behavior modification. They try to change their actions without changing their hearts, and that never works long term. If people want their behavior to change, they must change their hearts. They must make sure that the word of God is the dominant influence. We know we have a good heart when we are yielding to God and are sensitive and open to him and his ways and his leading. <clears throat> hands, up, <clears throat> hands up who remembers the cold fires. <clears throat> the cold fires, all of us don't we like, and lighting the cold fires as well. 
or you may have seen your granny doing it or your mommy doing it, okay? So um, I got this um, on Monday. I've been back and forward with this all week, but on Monday, um, I, this woman came into my mind and I seen her and I was, as I was looking to her, her back was towards me and her face was towards the fire and she had the paper blowing up the fire, do you remember? So you had, do you remember the paper caught fire a couple of times? Oh, right, and you had to roll it up quickly, right? So you start off with um, your, your, from what I can remember, years ago since we've even had a fire, but it was like fire sticks, um, the fire lighters, like twisted paper, wasn't it? And then, and, and we totally bits of coal, and then once you got like a bit of something burning, and then you started to put the bigger pieces of coal on, and then sometimes if the coal was damp, it wouldn't light for you. So you had to help it a bit, and so you got these sheets of newspaper, covered the whole hole, and you heard the wind blowing up to light the fire. Okay? That's great. Um, and so I saw this woman doing this and on Monday, and then I forgot about and I went to work, and then I got up on Tuesday early, and two hours into this, I've written it down here, 20 past 10 on Tuesday, she came back into my mind again. Okay, and um, so I'll tell you what I was seeing here. I saw her creating a fire in her hearth in the living room. I saw that she had already put the coal and fire letters in place to build the fire, and she packed it well. She began to draw her into the fire to encourage it to light. And once the fire was lit, it began to burn normally that day. Meanwhile, the rest of the day, she was busy in the home, busyness. Because she was busy, she forgot to top up the coal. So she was left with embers that needed to rekindle the fire that once burned so strongly and steadily. And so she got sheets of newspaper and put it up over the front of the whole hearth to create a vacuum of air to again rekindle the flames of the fire. And it caught fire once again and flamed fully once more. She knew the fire was completely lit when she heard the roar of the wind moving up and down in the chimney, encouraging the fire to start, and it did. This woman used coal, fire lighters, paper, and air to rekindle her fire. But what can we do? And what can we use to rekindle our fire? To glorify God, to be thankful, to recognize the power of our imagination, and to have a good heart. Now, just a wee footnote here that the Lord kind of put in here. He said, those of you that feel you're away from the Lord, those that have been maybe not walking with God all those years, and you may be concerned about that. He says, you're going to hear the roar today. You're going to hear the roar today. And he is, he is the land of Judah. And he's coming after you. You still have embers, he's saying. The fire never goes out as a born-again believer. Your fire never goes out as a born-again believer. Okay. Now let's look at all the good we have on our hearts by recalling the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit are all products of what is in our heart. And Galatians 5.22 says this. It talks about uh, love. We have God's love, God's joy, God's peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance, we've got it all. 
The fruit of the Spirit is the nature of Jesus in us, and this fruit will flow as we conform our thinking to God's word. Now, the fruit is not produced by the believer, but by the Holy Spirit as we live in union with him. Our part is to yield and to trust, and God's part is to produce the fruit. A good way to keep your heart in a positive state is to not allow it to be dominated by external or physical things, but for it to be dominated by God's word. If you will put these four keys into practice in your life, you will never be the same. It will change the way you think about everyone and everything, and it will give you God perspective. Now, but after I've said all of this, and it was quite a lot there, you're probably going to say to yourself, okay, give it to me, stupid, simple, like I like it. How do I practically do this? How is this easily done? Okay, this is amazing. While I was doing this a number of years ago, when I first started to do this, although I've been studying it recently, um, I was saying to God, when I, when I get up, and I say I get up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and I'm standing in my living room at 9 o'clock in the morning, I say, right, I have a week ahead of me with God. How do I put this into practice? Where do you start? What do you do? Okay, this is the simple way here. Now, again, I'm, I'm not a person who journals, uh, I don't knit cardigans and make jellies or make soups. I'm not in the, I don't make dinners. I, I'm not that. <laughs> I can't have that. I, I, for anybody who does that, thank you. The grace is on you for doing that, but it's not me. I'm not, I'm not into knitting or crocheting or anything. I'm just not that type of person. And I'm not good at journaling either. Because you have to sit down, it takes a lot of time and effort to think. What did I say? What did she say? What did we do? What time was it? For me, it takes me like two or three hours to get writing something down. I have no time. I don't have time to do it. Um, but this is not, don't take this as a thing that's journaling. This is not journaling. This is rehearsing your victories with the Lord. This is, this is the practice. Put it, this is what I'm saying to you now to put in the practice of God here. The four keys I'm talking about here. So, for example, the Lord showed me, I was saying, Lord, how do I practically keep my mind on you, keep my focus on you, have a positive imagination on you, have a good heart, praise your name, how do I do it in a practical way? Because, again, we live busy lives. And that was my cry to God, how do you do it in the basic way? And he says, do this. So I started off with this, um, this journey with God, and I do it regularly. So I started off way back from when I became born again. I didn't want to put my history in from when I was like three years of age to when I got born. That's irrelevant. And, but I just put down the very first page I started off was, before I got born again, and the scripture was, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, you must be born again. So I just started off from when I became born again. Then moving on into the wee booklet that I read, the Help Me to Get Born Again was called Pardon for Sin and Assurance of Peace with God. Have that wee book in there and a wee bit of a write-up in it, just a wee bit of a one-page write-up in it, moving on. The stuff that's in this, look, a picture of Stephen. He was 18 years of age, ended up marrying Stephen, and he got saved there seven months ago. And I didn't know at the time I put that in, how that would all pan out. So we picture Stephen, he's only 18, and I said, meeting and marrying Stephen. Um... So that was really, really good as well. Um, trying to see what I said about it. Okay, so um, then going to church, God added me to church. All scriptures are the things that the Lord has done for me. There's quite a lot on this, but I'm just trying to give you examples of how to set out to do this. 
This is my son, Stephen, and he's only four years of age. He's 30 now, but he was four at the time, and he got saved when he was four years of age, okay? And um, he's not walking with the Lord just yet, but he's a marked man. He's a marked man. And he did say to me today, I said, you're going to come today and hear me. He says, I watched you online. So, Stephen, if you're listening, you're a marked man. You're coming back to God. You're coming back. There's a picture of you, Stephen, isn't it lovely? Oh, <laughs> some comments when I get home. Okay, amazing. So another picture here of Stephen and Louise when I dedicated them to the Lord. Okay, this is rehearsing our victories, thanking God for what he's done, keeping your imagination on him, keeping you connected to God all the time, praising and glory, glorifying him. It's this simple thing, right? There's Louise and Stephen. 1996, I dedicated them to the Lord on Easter Sunday with the wee baskets for the left house, took a photo of them, took them to church and dedicated them to and Stephen to the Lord. Now the three of them are saved. Praise God. Rehearsing our victories. There's Louise. We want to Louise. Louise was eight years of age when she got saved. There's her. her and a wee write-up about her. She's walking with the Lord. Just a wee bit of a, a write-up there about on a page just what just keeps me focused, keeps my mind on the Lord, the things that he has done, water baptism. Um, oh, Stephen, there's you again. Stephen, he was four years of age in 1996. There you are again, Stephen, lovely picture, worldwide for you there. Right? And, and it's really lovely, it's really treasured and everything. Okay? And that was the time my son Stephen had asthma, and I took him to the church. Long story again was written down here. And the Lord healed Stephen of asthma, completely healed, healed him of asthma. Brilliant. So just rehearsing our fist, our, I wrote down private things here too, or um, some wee private things, Jesus kissed me. I'm no date on this, it was years ago. And I wrote just down here as an example, um, Song of Solomon 1 verse 2. Uh, Let him kiss me with his kisses of his mouth, for they love is better than wine. And I said, while worshiping the Lord this particular day, I had my eyes closed, and then I felt the Lord kiss me on the right cheek. It was very soft and tender, and I knew it was the Lord. Again, that's recalling things, magnifying the, God, the Lord, praising him. <clears throat> I can't go through it all. It's too long, but we're having a ball here today. Um, <laughs> okay, so 1999, we moved into the current house we're in now, and that's a picture of it there. That's the house that I dedicated to the Lord. He gave me a plan for us to move into that house. There was a group of people bidding for this. The Lord gave me a plan. I'll maybe tell it to you if we get in the coffee house with you. And um, we're in that house now. That's the house that God has blessed us with. Never had any bother with it. Never had any burst pipes. Never had anything wrong in that house. God, again, thank you, God. You've done this for me. Are you not a God? Are you not a God? God, are you not a great God? Yes, you are. Are you not an amazing God? Yes, you are. We love you and we praise you and we give you thanks this morning, Lord God. On and on, great, great things there. Um, hearing the voice of God, um, God bring me to Bible college, on and on. The first time he sent me to Germany on a mission trip, never been on a plane in my life. Got there safely, stayed there safely and came back safely and the plane didn't crash. <laughs> so we're dead on. <laughs> plane didn't crash. There's me on my graduation day, 2009, graduating from Bible college. On and on and on, rehearse your victories. Keep your mind stayed on the Lord. Keep your mind fixed on the Lord. We live in a busy world. We, li we live in this world which has completely gone belly up in the last two and a half years, and it ain't over yet. And the Lord is saying to you, keep your relationship firm with me. 
keep in love with me, stay in love with me, rehearse your victories, because he is totally doing the same as us. What I did was then, because I know some of you love to journal and do things like this, okay? But remember, rehearsing your victories is not really a, a journaling thing, but you can make a journal if you want to, there's no problem. So I've sent away for um, uh, these books for you to give you a head start so there's no excuse for you. I haven't got a book, I haven't got a book. Yes, you do now, okay? So I've given you a book to start your journaling with. Go back to when you got born again. It is incredible. You will be astounded at the things God has done for you because we have a memory and we forget. We forget. I forget the sausages is on for Stephen. I forget. <laughs> I forget when they're burning. I forget very, very easily. Okay. So I have left them out for you in the coffee lounge. Or if you want to get a wee booklet, start a booklet today, and I guarantee you now that will blow your, uh, blow your mind away when you say, I forgot you've done that for me, God. I forgot you said that. I forgot you've done that. How could I forget? It's just time. It's, we live in a busy world, and it's just time that pulls us away from God. But don't let it do that. Don't let it do that. Um, so, yes, I think... Yes, I think we're done. Stick a fork in me, I'm done. Okay? <laughs> okay. Dead on. <laughs> okay, so um, I think we're going to ask the lovely worship team to come up. I think, or is it you? Yes, communion. Okay, we'll do communion. Okay, yes, we'll do communion then. Okay. Lord God, we are, you'll have your communion, do you? Okay. Lord God, we thank you so much. Such an incredible God. Such an incredible God. You could just cry a river at the goodness of God and God's love for us. He is fantastic. Thank you, Lord God, you've made a way for us and you have helped us to keep our mind and our focus on you in a busy, busy, busy world. Lord God, thank you so much, Lord God. And Lord God, even when we do think we're getting away from you, there's always that, will you come away with me? Will you just come away with me? Will you sit with me? Will you stay a while with me? We thank you, Lord God, for always nudging us and bringing us back to you, Lord God. We want to just lift up two important people at the moment that we're praying for currently, which is Tom and Lauren, Lord God. And we just believe that they're being healed right now, healed this day by the power of Almighty God. By the power of Almighty God. And the scripture says that by his stripes we are healed I said it to you last week, H-E-A-L-E-D, healed, past tense, it's already done. We are healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We take this communion now that represents our Lord's body. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Glory, Lord Jesus. And now how we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. I said this last week too. Washed, W-A-S-H-E-D, E-D, past tense, it's already done. We are washed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.